0: Welcome to October's work now and in the future live event. Our topic today is the great resignation and we're pleased to have three distinguished panelists with us. As our audience enters, we are grateful to have you with us today and look forward to your questions and comments in the tiny chat. My name is Christy Erbeck. I'm Living HR's chief people transformation officer. If you've not met Living HR before, we exist to give lift to the people function. We build inclusive cultures, optimize talent, and humanize the work experience. We want work to work better. And we foster experiences that bring h- brilliant humans together, lifting and amplifying voices with myriad perspectives. Along that line, today we're eager to amplify a special nonprofit, the Hidden Genius Project. The Hidden Genius Project's Mission is to train and mentor black youth in technology creation, entrepreneurship, and leadership skills to transform their lives and community. As we go throughout the session today, you're welcome to click on the link to donate if you'd like. And Living HR is also donating 100% of our proceeds today. Thank you to our amazing panelists for joining us on this adventure as we talk about the great resignation and what it means for employers, employees, and the future of work. Today, we, we have with me Jackie Clayton, Vice President of Talent Acquisition and DEI at Textio. We have Marisol Gomez-Hughes, Executive Vice President and General Counsel with Wilson HCG, and Darian Michael, CEO and co-founder of Qualified. Welcome to all of you. And I would love to have each of you spend just a minute introducing yourselves and your company. Jackie,
1: would you kick us off? Absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. As you mentioned, I am VP of TA and DEI at Textio. And at Textio, we really are looking at helping people with their communication, making it easier by taking away some of those barriers within a language that can come into play and help people have more equitable language so that they can help attract more diverse populations and make sure that no one is left behind. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Jackie. Marisol. Hi, thank
2: you. Um, Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. And uh, my name is Marisol. I work for Wilson HCG. And I have a really um, long title. And really all it means is I oversee two support departments here, um, HR or people and culture as we talk about it internally and um, legal. So I am a lawyer by education and practice. I hope no one um, posed that against me. Um, if it helps, I worked for the, the, the good side, um, working with the EEOC for a few years before I came in-house, um, but I'm really excited to, to talk um, on this panel today, um, and as far as our company goes, we are a total talent solution provider um, with a presence in 44 countries, so a truly global total, total talent outsourcing um, company, so if you need any help attracting or retaining some great candidates in the U.S. and abroad, um, please let me know.
0: Thank you, Marisol. And Darian.
3: Yeah, I'm Darian Michael. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Qualify. We are a fully distributed team, but primarily based in the Indianapolis area. And we provide um, a platform that enables the fastest phone interview experience in the world. What we found is that phone interviews are often the biggest bottleneck in the recruitment process. And we've created a platform that lets recruiters create a personal and standardized approach to these interviews um, and allow them to hear from more candidates and move through that process a lot faster, ultimately uh, landing their best candidates much faster. Uh, So yeah, excited to be here as well, um, to learn from Jackie and Marisol and and through this conversation um, and and hopefully uh, share my insights as well.
0: Thank you so much, Darian and Jackie and Marisol. I'm thrilled to have you here and be moderating this conversation. So let's get started. The great resignation, you know, it's been attributed to everything from poor recruiting practices and software that screens out talent to a complete failure of companies to understand what is truly important with their employees. And then you add to that this whole global uh, whiplash, burnout, overwhelm, and we have a really complex crisis that is some people getting curious about what to do next and how to handle this and others rebounding to a power and control operating model. And one of the things that I'd love to have you talk about today is what kind of paths forward do we have, right, in, in handling these types of things and dealing with the great resignation and being able to turn it from that to the great retention. So I'd love to turn to our panelists and uh, start with Jackie. Jackie, in in one article I read, it it said that career transparency was key. Uh, As VP of Talent Acquisition and DAI, what are your thoughts on that approach? And is
1: it enough? Well, I agree. I agree with that, that transparency is key. And I'll say, I don't think it's enough. when speaking about the great resignation and I was talking to Pat Waters last week and she said something really great that the great resignation is really the great migration and we can look at it as a reshuffling of talent and a big part of it stems from how we're working Um, because we have distributed in remote teams, a lot of us have started inviting our work into our homes like we've never had. And I think people wanna be selective over what kind of environment they let into their home and they don't wanna let anything toxic into those workspaces. And I feel like part of that is the great unknown. Uh, You can't look across the aisle and see someone and kind of work they're doing or look at their whiteboard. And so that's why transparency is key. Um, Something that I uh, always told my kids is that monsters live in the dark right? So Mm -hmm. a lot of us in our homes feel like we're not getting enough. We're not getting the information that we need. And we may feel like uncomfortable because we don't have as much control over our, our situations. Mm -hmm. And, um, so in looking at it, it's very important to be transparent, um, but it's also important for people to recognize that they're looking for more. Obviously at home, the ping pong table and free lunch isn't enough anymore. We're asking for organizations to not just be transparent, but also identify me as a person, as who I am, not just a worker for you. Now I'm inviting you into a home and to have a real partnership, I think is gonna be key along with that transparency.
0: It is and you know the article talked about the career transparency being what opportunities do you have within the organization and making sure that all of that is known and that's much harder to do as a remote workforce. Um, So Darian, what are some of your thoughts in how do we make that transparent And, and Jackie, by the way, I love the whole concept of the great migration spot on with that it because it is a migration to a new way of working and how work shows up in our lives um so darian what what thoughts do you have
3: yeah no that was uh i I love that the uh the monsters live in the dark thing what i was just as a parent of young children too i was like oh i wonder if that goes over (laughs) if that goes over well if they might have a fear of the dark Um, but uh on on that side like speaking from being On the other side of the fence, like right now, I consider myself more uh, building the team, being on the employer side of things. Um, But when I was, uh, you know, an employee at a previous company, that was one of the things that created the most anxiety for me, even as an executive at a at a startup at the time, Um, not knowing uh, where I sat in the organization. Uh, You know, we started to bring in new leadership, new roles coming into place, and not understanding what you know my specific role within the company was going to look like you know in a couple of months a couple of years that, that I think when I look back over my career that was part of the time where I felt the most anxiety um, around really everything in life but especially in my work life that's where I've got the greatest sense of anxiety and so I definitely see how um, not having transparency um, cr- can create those sort of feelings um, but that was in a specific period of time, pre-pandemic, um, where now we have um, the pandemic issues and then just greater societal issues that create other um, aspects of, um, of that anxiety that can increase You know, people wanting to leave or um, have ill feelings to- towards their employer. So I think transparency, like you said, is um, probably one step, um, just leveling the playing field, letting people know where they stand and what the potential looks like. Um, and so they can make better decisions for themselves and feel um, a sense of confidence in where they are in the organization. Um, but, but it's probably just a, a starting point, if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: it, it is. And, you know, McKinsey wrote an article recently that was called the great attrition or great attraction. The choice is yours. And they talked about the fact that there are no quick fixes in this situation. And so thinking holistically about what we're going to do and how we're going to handle different things. Marisol, I'm curious from your perspective, what's the long view that companies should be thinking about in an executive team should be thinking about in, as they're talking about strategies, Is they're talking about how to handle this?
2: Yeah, thank thank you for that question. And um, I think that the article you mentioned, you know, um, it is very fitting because there definitely aren't. Uh, this isn't like a quick fix situation, right? And and there are there are some band-aids that you can do, um, but it's probably not going to help with with a long-term fix. So, um, I think from you know from my perspective, um, focusing on things that you can commit to now, but also don't get you in hot water in five years, are probably where I'd start. So I think it's very, very um, tempting to deal with an employee resignation, for example, by immediately saying, "Hey, let me offer you a counteroffer of more money." Um, but what what we've seen through some great um, studies, you know, done by like um, Glassdoor, for example, and different different surveys, is that. Most people actually rank compensation as second or third on their reason for maybe looking or or um, attract are going to a new job, and actually work life balance or more commonly now that most people are still virtual work life blend um, is is higher on their list. You know, during mm-hmm. the pandemic, people took a lot of time to reprioritize their own. Um, wants and needs. I mean, look at your your social media feed and all the new bread making uh, you saw on there. So people are really interested in outside opportunities in terms of fulfillment, um, learning and development, professional development. Those are big ones. And then um, just looking at this quick stat from Glassdoor, um, people that are searching for jobs that are 100% remote or at least hybrid is up 460%. Uh, between June 19 and June 2021. And so some of that is a given, right? But other uh, piece to that, to your question is, what can I do that's long-term? If you can, go with a remote or hybrid option. Do not make people choose between coming back to a job they really like Um, and coming into an office where maybe they're not comfortable, or maybe their childcare needs have changed and they need to be home um, and with a flexible schedule. So my, you know, that would be my advice is look at the long term, look at what your company can, can commit to not only now, but also in the future, and look outside of just compensation. Don't get me wrong, everyone loves money, but things like well-being, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, making sure those programs are strong, mental health, Um, you know, opportunities, flexible schedules and remote or hybrid opportunities, invest in total rewards, which include benefits, enhancements, um, those types of things. Those actually are less hit to the cash flow and more of benefits that you can commit to now and in the future.
0: I I love that. And I would love to hear, Jackie, your perspective on the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging uh, thought, uh, because I think that plays into even something that Darian said earlier about, um, you know, the socio-political situation that we have in in the world and specifically in the U.S. today. Um, people don't want to see corporations just checking a box on DEI. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
1: So there's a couple of things. Um... One of the things that I think that we need to look at is that we need to be consistent Um, when we're looking at offering these uh, solutions, being consistent for all employees. But along with that, we know that what has happened is maybe when I was at work, I was the only Black woman at work. Mm. But when I'm at home, this is my space. Mm. And I invite you in and I can not turn on my Zoom and I can keep you out. Right? So when being, when people were being said or being told that they were going to have to be in the office, there was an immediate panic for a lot of underserved or underrepresented organizations that now you're forcing me into an environment where I don't feel safe. And a lot of this has to do with safety, right? But we also need to remember equity, when we're talking about diversity and inclusion, the part that people seem to have a hard time with um, consistently is somewhere between inclusion, belonging, and equity seems to be the hardest part, right? So what we need to look at is if we are going to a fully remote workforce, then our IT team, they don't have to go away. This makes it even more intense for them. We need to make sure that you have access to fast internet service. We might need to upgrade your laptops to make sure that we can have those we can communicate using via Zoom or using those virtual environments. Uh, We also need to make sure, kind of to Marisol's point, that we are um, giving you access to various benefits, whether it's a package like Bravely, where you offer coaching to people internally, but then make sure that you have these things that people can become better on their own and that they can, you know, feel like that's private information, that we're not sharing information with the whole company, give them options that they can have on their own to make sure you're nurturing the whole person and being consistent. And the reason I bring that up is because there are some people, we talk about it as far as, oh, well, we know that a lot of people are taking care of their children. The majority of that are women. So maybe we should go into this environment. Um, I don't have any children. I have adult children. I have adults. that that doesn't mean I wanna come into the office, right? Mm -hmm. Or that doesn't mean that all of a sudden I don't need these other aspects. So we try to make it fair and equitable. And so while you're polling to make sure that people are feeling included and that they belong, also make sure you're tapping into people asking what they need in order for this to be successful. And you'd be surprised. Some of them might say, I'd really like an office space. I know we remember there's still office spaces for certain people that's worth the investment of 100, 200, sometimes you know, a certain amount a month where they feel comfortable. It's a lot cheaper than trying to replace someone that has all that knowledge and talent that they're taking with them to another organization. So I definitely think it's important, but it, we have to look at all of the pieces. And as you're making a change, um, start with equity, to make sure that it's going to be fair. Um, It's not fair that someone doesn't get a promotion because the wireless doesn't work in their apartment building, right? So we need to just look at those things to make sure that we're giving, we're leveling the playing field and it is giving us an opportunity to do that. Mm. Those
0: are really great points. Um, I had not thought about it in terms of I'm inviting you into my space. And so does it feel safe for you to, to be in my space or not. That's that's a really wonderful um, call out for us to remember how personal it is because you're now coming into our homes. Um, Before we move on, I just wanna make everyone aware that there is a poll that's uh, open right now. So if you haven't had a chance to respond, please take a look at that. And then Darian, What thoughts do you have to piggyback off of or add to what Jackie and Marisol have shared in this?
3: Yeah, I I was going to second what what you just seconded around inviting people into. Yeah, I I didn't think about that before. And like you said, how personal it is. Um, I was one of those people before the pandemic that was like, I I need to get out and go somewhere to do work. Um, I have uh, a family small kids running around the house you may or may not hear them at some point you know during this conversation um and you know so for that reason i was like oh yeah i need to i need to go have, be at a co-working space or be be out meeting people um and then the pandemic kind of forced me you know into you know working from home and now i i really love it but i it is me i'm inviting. You know the 130 people right now into my space, getting a glimpse into, you know, a small glimpse, you know, a window into who I am as a person. You know, it's work related, but yeah, that's that's an important factor to to keep in mind. And then the other piece I was going to say is kind of what Jackie touched on um, as well in terms of listening. Um, I think one strategy is around, you know, the transactional nature. What can we throw out there to be attractive? You know, what are the perks? What are the benefits? That's one of the things that I'm looking into, you know, as we starting to, as a company ramp up our hiring efforts, how can we be attractive and catch the eyeballs? Um, But also thinking about it um, in terms of a customer, kind of like a customer discovery effort and treating your employees as your prime customers in this effort that we're, you know, this journey that we're going on together. Um, What matters to your existing team? um, and and start to learn and listen about what matters to them, because oftentimes they're going to be the people that bring in the next, you know, the next employees. And if you're building a culture, um, it's likely that some of those things are going to matter to those new folks as well. So treating it, um, like I said, as a customer discovery effort, I, I live in the startup world. And so you start with, you know, a small, Version of something, an MVP, and you expand on that through learning from your existing customers, getting it, getting feedback constantly, and learning. Um, and so, I would apply that to how you're approaching your employee, your employee strategy, um, and building out uh, what it looks like to um, to attract people and retain them.
0: Yeah, there. I mean, there's, we could talk for hours on this topic, <laughs> I think. Um, and what's interesting is I'm looking at the poll and just, the, it's not closed yet, but as I'm seeing responses, it seems as though people are leaving for better opportunities, better pay. It's almost like they're, they're going to, they're, they're crossing the bridge to that, that better opportunity. What can employers, who are losing those employees learn from that particular statistic. Marisol, what do you what do you think?
2: Yeah, well, first when, when I saw the poll and I wasn't able to vote as a panelist, but the, the first thing that caught my eye was better opportunity and better pay are two different things. And I think it's really important to 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 understand that because I've I've talked to a lot of people who have just reprioritized over the past 18 months and said, I, you know, I'm taking this opportunity to leave, you know, my job as a recruiter um, and go work um, in IT. Um, so, you know, it's really hard to compete with that or, or, you know, I'm going to go volunteer. I'm going to go start a business with my husband or wife. So there are things that like you're not, you know, you're not kind of competing apple to apples and there's nothing you can do except wish people the best and keep the door open, um, you know, for for the future. Um, but I would say that, you know, it's always important to understand what that that means. So um, internally, I can just tell you a little bit about what what we do is um, we put as much emphasis on our pulse surveys um, for employee feedback, our new hires check-ins and surveys Um, as well as our exit interviews, they're all kind of even playing field in terms of who gets to see the results, sharing with the executive team and making sure that those trends um, and that feedback is is heard as well as actioned. And I think that's really important. Um, People who are leaving are in a very unique um, uh, circumstance in that They don't really have to hold back anything, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're leaving. Um, I mean, most people want to leave on good terms, but that's where you get some of your most candid and honest feedback. So I do think it's really important to pay attention and conduct exit interviews or, or even if it's not a formal process, just talk to people about why they're leaving, what their motivators are, um, you know, what would make them reconsider if that's on the table, those types of things, and really consistently like evaluate that. And are those individual circumstances or are those indicative of a wider trend that then you should bring to your employee population and see if there's anything you can do, um, you know, that, that would affect that population as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you for clarifying that pay and better opportunity are two different things, because that is so, so true. I hadn't thought about it um, like that until you called it out. Um,
2: Not to badmouth the survey. You no, know, no, 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 no.
0: <laughs> no it's, it's, quite created the poll. <laughs> it's quite fine. Uh, it, but, you know, a lot of people don't, differentiate it in their mind. They're thinking it it is probably one in the same Um, and better opportunity is, is so personal. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, so such a personal decision um, for, for um, people and how they are responding to that and what they're, they're needing. Um, either, Either Jackie or Darian, do you have thoughts on what employers
1: can learn from people leaving? I have one piece that I, cause I really appreciate having those exit interviews, making sure that you're having those exit interviews. Um, we also need to start thinking more about when somebody is leaving rather than say, this person in this position is leaving, um, but also see what talent is leaving. Where, where are the gaps? and see if there's any opportunities to hire. Um, Mm -hmm. Understanding why somebody's leaving, you also could have that opportunity for somebody else. Uh, Not all of us are are equal. And I think it's important that we look at the skills gap, right, Um, and see if we have opportunities to bring other people into our organization where we can give opportunities and also work with the existing team you hopefully you did this last year, start looking at career mapping for people internally, because every, every single business changed one way or another. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to map the journey internally of where we like to see where the career is going and um, make sure that you're on that path and that you continue to really kind of do some gap analysis or some skills gap analysis um, to rethink where you have opportunities at your organization, not just a job title, but that they're, they're looking for various skills. And so we can look for people um, that may be filling those skills that we're, we are missing without looking at it just for by title. And I think that's changing as we're looking because we still have a large candidate pool available. Um, I might not be a project manager, but maybe I have skills in in spreadsheets, Mm -hmm. right? And it's like, we usually hire a project manager that has spreadsheets background. But what if we had one person who was a data analysis that can help us build reporting? And then we can promote these other people who don't have those skills into project managers. By them working together, they're both getting opportunities they wouldn't have in the past so you're creating opportunities for growth internally then they and that's a lot of it so we're giving people those opportunities instead of um making it the way it's always been yeah those that's great darian did you have a thought
3: yeah i mean what jackie's hitting on reminds me of uh, if i can give a shout out to Uh, A fellow founder friend of mine, they have a company called Clara.ai and their whole focus is around uh, competencies and now uh, analyzing the competencies of uh, individuals and then doing analysis around what the company, um, like you said, what their their existing skill sets are, their competencies are, where the gaps are um, in terms of what the roles that need to be filled. They actually do this without resumes um, and then they can match um, candidates in these, based on these competencies. And so I think that is, um, yeah, to touch on like, again, like what, what, what you were saying, like a, a unique opportunity there to, uh, one, provide opportunities and think differently than just what you see on a typical resume or an application or in the context of your job description. Um, and really understand like what the skill sets are that you're, you're, that you're trying to bring in. Um, the other piece is just not necessarily like, um, when you ask what, what can people be learning by people leaving? I think one thing that you can learn from that and and also just to keep in mind is that competition is increasing. One of the factors that's at play is that people have options, you know, in a lot of industries, the market is candidate centric right now. Like they, uh, it's going from, you know, uh, local to national, sometimes international, um, in terms of, the availability of jobs for a lot of candidates. And so, um, be, be conscious of that. That's why going back to listening to, uh, your existing staff and what the market is saying and what's, uh, kind of table stakes are necessary to be relevant. Um, because like I said, people have, they're looking, you know, if they're looking at different opportunities, there's companies that can throw a lot of money out, you know, at candidates. Um, but you can cut through the noise by understanding, your, um, kind of like a target customer profile, like understanding what, what matters to them most and Mm -hmm. and cutting through the noise that way.
2: I think that's a really great point. Um, sorry if there was, if I could just build off of that for a minute. And I think that going back to your question that you asked us about maybe long-term growth or long-term planning, I think that's really a key factor is continuing to never lose sight of your company values, your company DNA, you know, whatever, your mission and vision, all that great stuff, but also building on your employment value proposition and your employment brand, um, yeah. because that's what is front and center for both attracting great talent and then retaining great talent. Um, because smart people are going to be able to tell very quickly if you're just talking the talk on your website, um, versus if you're living and breathing that EVP um, you know, and that, that value proposition and that brand in your everyday you know, work. So I think that getting opinions, um, you know, on company culture and initiatives and what people, how people are feeling and what people want to see, that's so important. But then let's make sure that we're looking at our employment value, um, employee value proposition and and those types of things on a regular basis and adjusting and, and amending and making sure that we're applying those things equally, but that we're also evolving them, right? Because your EVP from a year and a half ago is outdated. It is, you know, just from circumstance. So if you haven't looked at that with your executive team and your marketing and and really um, surveyed your your people and asked them what's important and incorporated that in there, um I can guarantee you you're missing out on some great talent.
0: That is so, so, very true. And in fact, one of the articles that I read in preparation for this talked about <clears throat> if you don't if your company doesn't have a mission or a purpose, Behind it, that's clearly articulated, uh, you're going to struggle to attract candidates because people are looking for that meaning. They are again. The McKinsey study uh, sh- showed that people are still grieving. They're grieving real and perceived loss, and finding that meaningful connection through work um, is critical to their well-being and to them staying connected to your organization.
2: Right. And I think that goes to Jill's point in the in the comments about, we're not just competing against me, you know, we're in the RPO talent industry. And so we're not just competing against, you know, the top 10 RPO and talent providers, we're competing against, you know, uh, starting your own business or going out on your own or completely changing direction, going back to school, you know, all these different things. And so, um, you know, I've had people tell me that they they chose this to come to work for us and be part of the Wilson HCG family over, another opportunity due to the values, the value proposition and, you know, the company kind of mindset being similar to their own. And so I I think that, you know, in the world of where there's so much choice, um, you you know, there are great ways to differentiate yourself. And I I think that's an important piece of this.
1: Mm -hmm. I think you need to be careful. You need to really watch how you're showing up, right? right? Because so many people are looking they used to look at like, how much money did you make? How many employees do you have? What do you look like at Glassdoor? Now we're looking at, how did you respond to this tragedy? What is your, um, your words? Are you backing it up? What are they saying? I mean, if you want really to win within this moment, whether it's TA focusing on attraction or retention or employer brand, et cetera, You have to figure out how you are communicating and make sure that you have inclusive workspaces. And I've noticed the way that some of these value propositions come up, there is so many times where it's unclear and now is not the time. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. just like, like um, everyone was saying, get that value proposition together. If you're not sure, just stop, take the time to do it. Because if you don't do it for yourself, other people will do it for you. And so it's just really important to be clear with your language and, and how you're showing up online.
0: That, that's such a great point, Jackie. And it's so true. And not just to be clear about it, but then to follow through on that those actions in a way that's authentic. So for example, if you're choosing a strategy or or some something that you want to implement, um, is it... Is it being implemented in an authentic way that resonates with people and that um, is something that you can sustain? You know, I've seen organizations in my previous life where um, they they were very quick to change to a different way of working, but it was superficial and there was no meat or depth to it. And this is the same situation a hundred times. That (laughs) Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely something we have to um, think carefully about, but not overthink to the point where we're not taking action and meaningful action. Uh, I am seeing several questions in the Q&A that I thought um, a couple in particular would be interesting to hear the panelists' perspectives. Um, one is about the empathy. So it, the set it says, would you all agree that a sense of empathy and emphasis on not delegating but more collaboration is a way to retain employees? Um, And just expanding in in that from a standpoint of emotional intelligence, how do we help leaders and other uh, new managers or people that are thrust into a situation where they maybe have not had to
1: think about empathy or express empathy, how do we help well, I want to add something with that, including talking about empathy and whether it's um, delegation or collaboration. So, of course, um, I come from the diversity and inclusion space. Not everybody, to some people, collaboration is the most terrifying thing ever. Now, I've worked at home for like thirteen plus years. If I when I sit in a room with the whiteboard, I just am, I'm always just looking at the door right? I'm used to like Mm -hmm. silence and not working in that space. So for me, sometimes collaboration is tough, especially when you're distributed and you're trying to do all of these things and you pray that the postman or post person isn't going to ring the doorbell, my dogs aren't going to start barking or whatever, right? So you, you really have to pull your people, but be empathetic to understand that there are people not just Um, distributed, but that people are neurodiverse, people collaborate differently, people communicate differently. And so it's probably time to figure out how people can bring their best self to work um, and empathize with whatever um, feedback you're getting back to make sure that you're not creating an uncomfortable situation by overarching, the overarching um, dream of, of seeming empathetic. So I just wanted to throw that part in there.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I I think that's such a good point and I think even the word empathy can mean different things to different people because you know somebody I I, you know when you look at coaching managers and things like that it's like hey put yourself in your in your team members shoes and make sure that you know you understand that everybody has a different way of communicating and everybody you know you might have some neurodiverse people on your team who who have a very different way of just thinking and processing and things like that um but I've talked to people where they're like I felt like I was so empathetic and I put myself in the shoes and I did all these things and we were virtual so I couldn't physically hug them but I literally did everything besides that and then you talk to the person that was in the conversation same conversation and they're like you know I didn't get any empathy I felt like I was just talking to a wall and like he or she didn't understand what I was saying so I think that yes, we can agree. I think everybody on this call would agree that being empathetic is, is very important now more than ever because there's just so many other factors going on and so much other noise. And so now more than ever, we need to treat everybody like human beings and put people first and, and make sure that we remember that. But I think it's also important to understand that like a one-size-fits-all approach with this is not going to work. Um, but continuing to understand what people need, what you know, how they communicate best, Um, and and going from general to specific, because when I attend these these panels, I like to walk away with some notes that I can, you know, do for myself and take to my own organization. One of the things that I would suggest is really looking at if you have employee resource groups or employee, we call them employee belonging groups within your company. Um, I personally have learned so much from just hearing employees share their stories in these employee belonging groups that I never even knew I might have not been being as empathetic or understanding as I thought I was. So I'll give you an example. We had, um, a fire, we call them fireside chats where people volunteer to share their stories. And we had uh, one focus on neurodivergence and people came to that conversation and shared their stories of just whatever it was and growing up and learning and how those difficulties maybe that they had transformed into the workplace and then how people can best collaborate with them. Um, To to your point, Jackie, we have an EBG called the Mighty Introverts, and it's just a really kind of funny um, name, but they picked it, Um, and they're just like, yeah, like when I get on a call and have to talk, I have an anxiety attack, like I physically get so scared, but if you ask me some questions and I can type them, like I'll give you some of my best thoughts, and so honestly it's like nowadays you're so quick to say hey let's jump on a zoom meeting let's collaborate let's you know chat it out and that's great for me but i didn't realize that i had some people on my team who were like i will be so much better if you just let me type you an answer or like ask me a question give me a few hours to think about it and then come back to you versus having this on the spot dialogue so i think that those are just very specific examples but things that hopefully people can take away and um, and, and use kind of in their organizations as they apply to their employee employee group insights.
3: Yeah, can I ask a quick question? I, I'm curious sure. um, on like what like how that how that developed internally. Um, that's, yeah, There's things that I, I I didn't previously think about. You know, I'm an introvert too, um, but I also don't mind you know hopping on Zoom, obviously talking with with people. Um, how did that come about, or maybe that specific example, or other examples of how those findings, like how you found those things out?
2: Yeah, well, we took a look at our diversity equity inclusion, belonging approach, Um, you know, um, probably like a lot of companies did um, about, you know, two years ago and decided that we needed to look at uh, this a little differently. So we've always had, you know, diversity committee and like, you know, and and those types of things. But what we decided to do was um, really make it a part of our employee uh, value proposition and our company values. And so we created a uh, program called Bright and um, it's the chairperson is the CEO and I sit as co-chair. So it's executive buy-in from the very top. Um, And then we have all these different branches that kind of make up different pieces. And those were all a direct results of employees telling us what they wanted and what what would make them feel more comfortable and how to make sure everyone was part of the conversation as much as you can when we're talking about 1500 employees over 44 countries. So employee belonging groups or EVGs are one branch of that. And so what we said was, what are you guys interested in? What what topics do you like? And so employees came to us with their topics and they decided to be employee led and executive sponsored. So we made sure they knew that they were important and they got a budget and they were able to run programs and be part of the conversation, but we were not going to run these. They were employee led. So um, Mighty Introverts is one that just naturally kind of evolved. We also have like a pride at Wilson for the LGBTQ plus community. We have a parents at Wilson, um, you know, and and, um, veterans at Wilson, like all different kind of that span. Some are a little bit more uh, based on like characteristics, you know, like Hispanic or, you know, African American, et cetera. And some like the introvert is more of a characteristic or personality trait versus something that, you know, is a label, if you will.
3: Yeah. I
1: think that's important because so many people they're like oh we have employee research groups but you can also still have organizations that are just interest groups that Correct. still gives you that Correct. sense of belonging and I'm so glad that um, at Wilson HCG that they thought about that because everyone wants to have a, a space so that's good that you were able to facilitate that good job on that
3: yeah that's really yeah. cool
1: and we I mean, I can't take credit for it. I, I, it's it's our employees,
2: and it's really cool, too, to see a people across all regions. So um just talk about it and and how culturally, you know, all these things. you could be from Hong Kong, from Toronto, or from Tampa, but um you know, it kind of affects people the same way. so so it's kind of interesting to see,
3: yeah. I was gonna say on the question, I don't know if you wanted to move on real quick on the question around like whether empathy. Uh, can or should be delegated. I think it's like a both and kind of thing. Like, um, like you said, like humans need to treat other humans uh, with dignity and respect. And so in that regards, I don't think you can delegate empathy. Um, and I love that your team, like you said, has um, executive level buy-in with things like that. And so I would say a sense of ownership um, in terms of your area of influence um, in spreading, or I guess having empathy, in and of yourself and, and having that affect the different areas that you influence um, is important. So, um, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Um, just, I, I think we have time for one more question that might take a bit to answer it, within the Q and a, and we have another poll that's come out. Um, but the question is how do you challenge your organization if they don't show up or step in? So especially in regards to what's happening in the world and how can you help when the business stance is to have none, what, you know, panelists, what do you think, um, how how does an employee have a voice and help an organization or is it not their place to, you know, let them know and say, hey, I think you need to have a, a position here.
1: Jackie, what do you you think? Yeah, so I always laugh because it's funny that you're saying that during the great resignation, (laughs) leave.
3: And it's like, what do we
1: do when people don't buy in? We fire them. But not every organization is that cut and dry. I, I think that that's kind of the core of this whole conversation of that. You need to look at the values of your organization and make sure that they align with yourself, with yours especially as you're bringing the you don't want to bring toxic environments to be all around you throughout your day. And you need to make sure that there are that is an alignment. There is an alignment there. Um, And to me, I always think if you're going to continue to work there, that's your choice, right? That's your choice. But understand, there is an issue that you are now aligned and tied to. And so I think that's part of why we're seeing people resign in the first place. I think everyone has a voice, but not all of us have the power to implement what's behind that voice. And so that's why it's so important to have um, to, to have executive buy-in of people that can implement real change. Um, mm-hmm. At our organization, accountability is part of it. This is not a nice to have, this is a must do This is tied into everything that we do at our organization. It's tied to everyone's future compensation and and whether they'll be able to be promoted within the organization. Um, Not everybody takes a stand on, on those things. And so there are, we've seen organizations that have said, oh, we're not talking about this at work or we're not dealing with those issues. I wouldn't work there, right? And that goes back to what we were just talking about with empathy. Um, When things were going on with Breonna Taylor, uh, I had to take a day off. When we were going through the trial and the end of of George Floyd, I had to take a day off because this was personal for me. And nobody said, you can't take a day off. And we made it policy where to be sure to tell everyone at the organization, there are things that are happening. And if you feel like you need time to heal take some of that time, here are some resources and give people a time to do that because there is a lot of noise going on right now. Mm -hmm. Because we are all, again, because we all are remote and we all have our, our systems, we are flooded with information right? We're flooded. I mean, my phone, sports center goes off on my and you're like, what's, go, what's going on? Like there's what's going on in October. There's no draft. Like what's happening? Like, oh, I don't really care, but you get flooded all day. Um, even the people who learned how to make bread, they're getting pummeled by bread makers and companies and all of these things. Um, and there's less preventative measures at home to prevent people from being distracted on those things. So I think it's something that we need to consider and, and remember that if your organization is that your the biggest way to vote, to make sure that that's important is doing it with your feet.
3: Yeah. That yeah. was my natural reaction too, is just economics. Like, uh, that, like the, yeah, if you don't like something, um, as an employee, like the ultimate step is speak with. Um, your actions and that is you know ultimately saying hey I don't stand for this or uh, this is not the environment I want to be a part of um, and make your voice heard that way Uh, some of that's dependent on the culture that's already there and like if you can actually uh, make your voice heard to your management um, to uh, the folks that run the company and if there's a culture there that is inviting to those uh, to those voices then that's one thing but if there's not or um, if it doesn't line up with your values, then yeah, I feel like that is um, how you're going to create the most change because people learn uh, when it ta- when it hits the bottom line or when it affects you know how the organization is you know effectively able to operate and so yeah
2: yeah I, I think from my perspective and again I, it's a little bit different now you know when I started we only had a couple hundred employees and now we're we much long larger so. My um, CEO is the founder of the company. He like invested his blood sweat and tears in this and so he is all about open door policy, flat org, all that stuff, right which is awesome. But that's not exactly scalable across 44 countries and all time zones, right because or else everybody would be working 24/7 and the burnout part would be the number one reason why people leave. So um, I think that it's important just to keep asking people's opinions and keep giving them the opportunity and multiple ways of sharing feedback. So specifically a a, a survey that's short and quick and easy to do, that's awesome. If you can make it anonymous, even better, Um, but that can't be it, right? There has to be a lot of different opportunities and ways and methods to share feedback and make sure people know they have a voice, Um, whether it, because people like we talked about, um, might not be comfortable in a certain mode of communication. So I think first and foremost, it's really important if you have a culture of make your voice heard, you, you know, follow through with that with multiple ways in order to make that happen. And I think the second piece is, okay, what are you going to do with this? So it's not enough to just ask for feedback 10 different ways. You got to have actions or else, honestly, people stop giving you their feedback. Somebody can only say something so many times and not see any kind of change before they just stop saying it. And that's when they go hit Indeed and CareerBuilder and Monster. So I think that those are, are things that are kind of steps, right? So first, make it accessible and available for people to share their feedback. Second, make sure you're actioning that feedback. Um, and I can't tell you what a long way it goes for people just to feel like they've been heard, even if their suggestion or piece of feedback is so out of the realm of what you can do, like just acknowledging, thank you for that feedback. This is you know, what we can do, or these are the programs we have in place, or that's a great idea, I'm gonna escalate that and I'll get back to you, or come be part of the conversation to help me make that happen. Like as long as there's some action items, um, even if they're not one-on-one, but more addressed more generally, I think those are are the keys um, to, to making sure people do stay and they do make sure their voice is being heard.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I like want to add really be... quick.
1: I'm oh, sorry, Dan. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to add, that's important too with those resource groups that we were talking Mm -hmm. about before everybody goes out and starts building all these resource groups. It's understanding what are you doing with them (laughs) as well? What is the path? And letting people, the best way to let people know that they've been heard is when you can post, this is what we've been told. We've put this into consideration. This is what we're doing next. Here is the action plan. And you can put Mm -hmm. it part... Um, whether it's in your all hands or you post it on a shared site, but um, it goes back to the very first question about transparency Mm -hmm. and letting people know this is what people are saying about this. And you can, you know, you have your, your um, cold pricklies and your warm fuzzies (laughs) and like, ouch, didn't realize that this is what we're doing and let people know um, whether it's working or not. Maybe more people will join in when they see that you're actually trying to make impact.
3: Yeah. I and I was just going to say, like, like going back to the, the theme around listening to your your colleagues and employees, like some of those changes that can go, like the 80 20 rule could be that, you know, some of these things will be relatively minor. Like I think a lot yeah. of people ultimately immediately jump to like, what are the, the big juicy perks that I can throw at folks? But it could be really small things like, hey, I'd prefer to, you know, type out my answers versus. Hop on Zoom every single time, and that could be the difference between someone feeling comfortable and wanting to, you know, continue to work and do their best work with you or somewhere else. Um, and so, uh, I think that's you know definitely an important factor. Just getting that feedback and 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 acting on it in, in the best appropriate ways.
0: Mm-hmm. Creating boundary plans and and just giving people permission to say, "Hey, there are going to be times where I'm not going to be on camera." Or I, you know, I need to take this session while I'm walking my dog or while I'm walking myself because I'm sitting at my, my you <laughs> know, laptop way too much, whatever that might be. But getting into the, you know, having those broad conversations, but also then allowing the space and giving permission for people to um, own how they need to show up for, so that their best self. Can show up within mm-hmm. the workplace. We are almost to time. And I, I did see one question in the chat that was around two or three EVP components. So, you know, I don't know if we have a quick minute to just touch on what you all see as maybe one of each of you give one what's the key component you see in an employee value proposition? Marisol, would you start? Absolutely.
2: Sorry, I just got to make sure I wanted to make sure I'm not muted. Um, So yeah, I mean, EVP is is a little bit of a loaded topic. um, And it's just so individual, you know, to to your organization. So I hate, I just want to preface that. And that might be the lawyer part of me that's like, hey, disclaimer alert. Um, (laughs) But like, you know, it's not, it can't be one size fits all. But um, that aside, um, for, for, you know, looking at our company and, and our EVP, um, you know, we make sure that it ties to just like the long-term established company values, but then also um, the things that we're seeing, you know, from feedback and, and, and evolving. So um, a big piece of our EVP, again, personally to Wilson HCG, is talks about um, how people come first, and, and people are why we're in this business. And so we don't have a cool app or a widget on a shelf. All we have is our people. We are a total talent solution. And so if um, you know our EVP has to center around people and how we hide, you know, we we attract the best people, we retain the best people, and we always strive um, to ensure that as a company, we're fostering an environment of inclusion where people feel safe and safe and respected at work. Um, we value everyone's opinions and we value the differences as much as, as as the similarities in order to make us the best company that we can be. Um, so don't quote me, that's not exactly our EVP, but those are kind of components of it that are very specific to the Wilson HCG kind of outlook, and then what service we deliver to our clients, right? Because at the end of the day, that's why we're here. We're not a nonprofit. We're here to make money, and we're here to serve our clients. So that's um, th- those are all keys to-, to the EVP when I'm looking at it internally.
1: Thanks, Marisol. What about for you, Jackie? I think it's important that people understand perceptions before they come up with EVPs. Sometimes that happens like with a partnership between marketing, HR, TA, putting those together. Um, you need to make sure that the EVP wasn't created for you and it's completely out of your control. <laughs> like this is what we think it is. And and um what what we started looking at and um I've tossed the idea of asking people why they joined and then asking them why they stay, because that's different. So um I think that um along with making sure that it does align with your values. If not, start working on that culture before you publish. Um, a lot of people, uh, I, you, I think all of us have heard of companies that said, uh, an employee said, oh, I read this. I had no idea we cared about this. I didn't know this was a thing here. Like, oh, fairness, where, right? Like <laughs> something comes out and employees are like that. So it's important before you hire, you know, people to build a whole thing for you that you know what the company perception is.
3: Yeah. No, for me, this has been really interesting, uh, really fun conversation. The idea of uh, EVP is uh, not necessarily new, but something I want to like continue to to dive into for the context of you know the team that I'm building at qualify. And the big takeaway for me, you know, especially stemming from this is just definition around it. Like um, again, a lot of my lens is coming from startup world building a product an innovative product and one of the things there is defining for your customers partially like learning from them you know what is the pain point and what is it that this solution does to solve that and clearly articulating that um and so the the basic there is what what am i getting out of this that's like the value proposition like what is the employee getting out of this you know this relationship and so um yeah that that's 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 for me what i'm taking away is just how do we define that clearly and um uh then from there you can learn um and iterate on it but if you're just loose with it and just letting other people define it for you um it can go in any direction so yeah
0: thanks darian well we're at the top of the hour so as we close i would like to say thank you all for being here, for sharing your perspectives, your insights. I thought it was a wonderful conversation. And thank you audience for all of the questions that you posed in the chat and in the Q&A section. Um, We will share uh, information and a, a recap of this via email. And as we close, I would love if Darian, Jackie and Marisol, if you could give one quick tip, actionable tip, a parting wisdom or a book that you would recommend and then we will sign off. Karin, would yeah, you like to I'm gonna
3: sound like a yeah. I'm gonna sound like a broken record. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it's is listening, finding ways to continue to listen to uh, your your customers. For us as a company, I I. I view our employees as our first line of who we care about most. So Employees first, above investors, above even our customers. Um, and so continuing to open up those channels, like Marisol said, to get that feedback and, and be able to take action on it. So, yeah.
0: Thanks, Darian. Jackie.
1: So I just happen to have this book within arm's reach. It just came (laughs) out this week. If you can see it, it's called Right Within by Minda Hartz. It's her second book after the memo, Um, How to Heal from Racial Trauma in the Workplace. So I think it's important um, for all of us to look at this, if you're healing or to see what others might be feeling back to that empathy. I uh, want everybody to get read and study this book.
0: Thank you, Jackie
1: and Marisol.
2: I feel like I gave all my pearls of wisdom out already. I got nothing left. <laughs> you did have a lot of them, Marisol. I know. I'm not saying they're great. I'm just saying I threw them out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I would just reiterate what my, my esteemed panelists, fellow panelists have said. I think listening and, and learning are the two best things we can do, especially as. I know we didn't talk about vaccines a ton, but if you're in the U.S. especially, it's top of mind. And um, I think if that translates over into anything, it's listening, learning, um, and, and and understanding are the three things we have to do right now more than ever. Don't try to rush towards a one-size-fits-all Band-Aid. Instead, try to take slow steps, try to listen and understand, and then put key things in place that are not only good for now, but also the future. Um, So so just try to think about those things as you're putting together your long-term strategy. And lastly, make sure whatever you're putting in place, your CEO is in. Because if you say something, whether you're an HR person, a DEI consultant, like whatever you like, if your CEO isn't behind you, you're going to look behind you and, and, they, and you know, they're, they're not there and, and, you know, you're losing your effect. So please make sure whatever you decide to do for, for your people and your company, that you have your CEO and your executive team buy in and supporting you all the way.
0: Thank you, Marisol. Thank you all for being with us today. Please check out the Hidden Genius Project if you'd like to support that wonderful nonprofit. And we will look forward to seeing you next month. Have a wonderful day. Be kind to yourself and to others.